Hi, I'm Nicole Ferraro, and this is The Divide, a podcast from Light Reading exploring the ongoing digital divide, why and where it still exists, and what needs to be done to get people everywhere connected to reliable, high-speed internet. Today, I am joined by LaShawn Williamson and Brian Vo. LaShawn is the founder and CEO at Wave 7 Communications, a wireless ISP serving Enfield, North Carolina, and Brian is Chief Investment Officer at Connect Humanity, a nonprofit impact fund working with communities to advance digital equity. Wave 7 recently announced plans to expand its wireless network in the town of Enfield with support from Connect Humanity. We chat more about that network expansion, why Wave 7's model is ideal for the town of Enfield, and the crucial role that community broadband providers like Wave 7 play in closing the digital divide. We also discuss how organizations like Connect Humanity are helping to fund and support that work, and much more. All right, uh, LaShawn and Brian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to get to talk to you both today, but I want to give you both an opportunity to just introduce yourselves and the organizations you're representing. So LaShawn, let's start with you. Well, glad to be here with you. Yes, my name is LaShawn Williamson, and I'm the CEO of Wave 7 Communications. And uh, we are a wireless internet service provider. We primarily are focused on the area of Enfield, North Carolina, and uh, servicing the community there and looking forward to the growth that is to come because of this special partnership that we have done with Connect Humanity. So just glad to be a part of what's happening today and helping with that digital divide. We love being a part of the solution um, because there is a dire need, especially in low-income um, areas, and that's our target market right now. Yes, we're going to talk more about that, but uh, coming to you, Brian, uh, why don't you quickly introduce yourself as well? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for for having me today. Brian Vo, Chief Investment Officer for Connect Humanity. Uh, we're a nonprofit impact fund advancing digital equity. So a lot of our work is uh, uh, either partnering with communities who know they have a digital divide problem uh, and providing them uh, the, the resources uh, and technical assistance needed to figure out like what are their options to getting connected through to the investment team, which is what I lead, uh, where we then uh, support those plans in those communities with the, the capital that they need to actually get it done. And so I think what LaShawn and, and the Wave 7 team has done uh, really exemplifies how connectivity really can be both affordable and community-centered uh, with high-quality service. Uh, so really excited to, to be a partner with her. Fantastic. I was so excited to come across uh, the announcement of, of what you your companies, uh, your organizations are doing together. Um, I think it's so important. So let me stop rambling about it and get to you talking about it. LaShawn, let's come back to you for the moment. Take me back. Uh, give me a little bit more background on Wave 7. How and when did it get started? Why did you start this up? Um, and what kind of service are you all delivering over what kind of network? Awesome. Well, you know, when you have a problem and you seek to solve it for yourself, sometimes you think about the other people who are having the same problem. So um, we are headquartered out of Greensboro, North Carolina. In about 2018, there was a terrible tornado that hit the town and just we lost connectivity, um, electricity, and of course, internet was down. And my husband and I have always worked pretty much from home, so it really put us in a, a bad position. So uh, with the frustration of not being able to get the connectivity here in a well-established area where there's not a whole lot of um, 
problem with connectivity to internet. We have all these legacy providers, right? Um, we were like, you know, goodness, what does it take to start an internet company? <laughs> and that's basically how this all started. And I tell people all the time, jokingly, hey, you want to know something? Go to YouTube University. <laughs> and um, pretty much that's what we did. And I looked up there and goodness, I came across this awesome guy who had just spelled it all out. And uh, we actually joined a Discord that he had, and in it drops this uh, lady talking about how she had an innovative way to do internet, and that was uh, Deborah Sempier with the Althea Hawk Networks. And so we reached out just to figure out what she was talking about. Long story short, um, I got a prototype to test the technology, and we were like, hey, this is really working. <laughs> and um, so it really pretty much started from there. And my husband happens to be from a, a hometown of Enfield that is in a tier one section of the you know state. And uh, there was like, it's a perfect combination. Um, there was a need there, especially when the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. uh, we had actually started before the pandemic with just looking at starting an internet company. Um, and when that pandemic hit, I tell you, it was like perfect timing because we had already put the things in place to launch there. Um, you know, definitely more self-investing to do that, but to meet a need that we knew was already there. And the uh, town opened up its arms to us and um, the rest is history. We've been growing and growing our subscribers and just excited to be able to bring a tangible result to people who deserve better internet connectivity. That's amazing. And is it a wireless technology you're using? It is. Yes. Okay. So we are using um, unlicensed, um, but we're now moving into, thank thankfully for Connect Humanity, we are now moving into the CBRS. And um, that's going to help us bust through that density that we deal with with all the foliage. You know, those mm -hmm. trees can be something to deal with when you're yeah. pointing all across uh, the town. And we definitely want to get out into more of the rural area of Enfield. And so um, this partnership is going to help us be able to do that. Okay. That's amazing. Um, so speaking of this partnership, let me come over to you, Brian, to hear a little bit more about Connect Humanity. Um, what do you all do? What kind of services are you offering to help communities um, and organizations like Wave 7 close the digital divide? Yeah. When, when we first started thinking about you know, what, what role could we play in closing the digital divide, uh, uh, we couldn't build networks. Right. Uh, uh, we knew a handful of folks who were trying to capacitate communities and, and thinking about it from a digital literacy perspective. Uh, but the, the couple things that, that we saw that were lacking the most uh, really was access to capital. Uh, and when we think about when we started talking to folks and, and looking at the uh, how people were talking about different capital needs, what we quickly recognized was there was no one capital product that would solve everybody's problems, right? And so what, what we were intentional trying to do was, was really create a spectrum of capital that people could access all the way from uh, on one end philanthropic grants uh, for you know, really untested, risky, uh, and or just space to convene all the way through to uh, more, more classic investment structures that 
uh, you know, we could then recycle the capital and, you know, for, for future communities. And so what, what we try to do is when we work with, when we first start working with the community, or in this case, a, a community-centered uh, operator, um, the, the question is, what are your needs and what is your path to, uh, to getting across that finish line? Therefore, uh, what is the most relevant capital package for you? In some cases, that's meant, you know, if, if they have a, a pretty thought out plan, uh, network architecture through to, you know, the digital literacy uh, uh, and demand generation part of it, that could be a pretty commercial investment. Uh, on the other end of the, the spectrum, that could be pure grant to bring in a consultant to help think about what are your community's vertical assets, um, what are some of the anchor institutions that, that need support, uh, therefore, what would be an optimal network design, but then also a bunch in the middle where uh, we can, we pair grant with investment, um, and that grant will often go to things like digital literacy um, that that we think actually helps bolster the investment case, right? Because digital literacy really just undergirds that take rate. Um, so we really try to think about it uh, almost in that bespoke fashion of. Let's figure out the most uh, the, the most helpful package, capital package to to this community, given their needs and constraints. Okay, gotcha. So coming back to you, um, Lashawn, uh, tell me a bit more about this uh, the neighborhood that you're building out in in Enfield, North Carolina. Um, why why that area? And tell me a bit more about Connect Humanities' role. You mentioned it's going to enable expansion into CBRS. Um, what what? How is how is Connect Humanity helping to facilitate this build and the build out into the surrounding areas? So, you know, in looking at Enfield, when you think about um, the service providers that were already there, because we did do some um, foot soldier work in surveying to find out what people needed, um, we found out a lot of people were paying a whole lot of money for a little bit of Internet. That's the best way I can describe it. <laughs> And it just, that that's not working, especially in a tier one community, right? Majority. Right. So that's why more infield than us even looking at starting in our own home where we were, uh, you know, affected by the tornado in Greensboro, North Carolina, there was more of a need there. Um, and so Connect Humanity basically came along at such an opportune time for us because funding was getting low. Mm -hmm. um, we, in our um, inception, you know, we started out out of pocket and we were fortunate enough um, with the Internet Society um, to get a Truist Epic grant that helped us grow um, um, quite a bit. And then out of that, you know, we uh, formed relationships with a nonprofit that we were working with and we started doing digital literacy courses for seniors that was part of that grant. And um, out of that, um, we're here today looking at more people saying, we need your internet, but you can't reach us, right? Mm -hmm. So we know our funds are low and here's Connect Humanity at the right time to come in to help us continue the work um, and even evolve that work to a greater degree. Uh, so it's it was just the right timing for us. Um, and Brian, was there anything about this particular build out that um, appealed to Connect Humanity that you wanted to add? Oh, just about everything. I, I think, you know, one of, one of our... 
Um, North Stars is when when we think about how how are we going to have to close the digital divide, not just in Enfield, but but not just in the U.S. but globally. We know we're going to need new models. I think what's been interesting is the the. Uh, the, those models exist. They're they're the wave sevens of the world, right? And and so I, I think what what we're what was really exciting for for us uh, partnering with uh, Lashawn was, um, you know, we're showing that there are that that uh, connectivity models grounded and centered in the community with uh, community interests uh, at heart, um, and uh, different investment models that support that and enable that uh, can work. Right and can work sustainably, uh, and so uh, I think just everything about uh, uh, Wave Seven's uh, values, the way they approach it, um, how they think about subscriber first, because it is their community uh, uh, where they grew up, and uh, it, it just resonated a lot with us. Got it. So, um, Lashawn, uh, you guys have a pay-as-you-go model. Is that right? Um, Absolutely. Can you tell yeah. me more about that? And does that, do you feel like that lowers barriers to entry for your subscribers? How, tell me more about that model. Yeah. So definitely it lowers those barriers. Um, we are proud to say that we don't have a problem with people paying for their service. We are able to prevent them from going into broadband debt. Mm -hmm. You know, that was one of the things we found when we were surveying, they were like, well, my internet's been off because I couldn't pay the bill. Mm -hmm. And so with us, the pay uh, for what you use model is allowing them to be able to uh, load their routers. And uh, we use basically the protocol from uh, the software from Althea. That's, you know, our partnership with them. They take care of that side of it. Uh, basically, you know, it's like if someone puts $25 on their router and they only pay for what they use, this protocol that we have with their model allows them to be in more control of what is used um, so they can dial it up, dial it down, not like, you know, dialing literally, but I'm just saying <laughs> they can control how much bandwidth and data that they're using with this model. And okay. so it's more user-friendly. Um, when they get down to $2, basically they're getting a text saying, hey, you need to load more money. Mm -hmm. Some people will load $150 and just work it because they're gamers and they're all this, right? Well, at the end of the month, if they still have $30 up there, they might top it up with another $50 and it just works its way down. But when it gets to $2, it's like beep, beep, beep. Right. And it's like, you know, perfect for the community that we're serving. And so they don't have to worry about if they're going to be turned off because we do have an always on tier that allows them to do, you know, the basic surfing and emailing, no heavy downloading or anything like that, of course. Okay. And they don't like that speed. Interesting. So, <laughs> so we, t we look up and here this person has put $25 back on their router. Right. You know, right. to make sure that they can stream the TV and do the things that they like to do and not see the wheel that everybody hates. So this is it's interesting. It's a it's a different model. Um, it's a it's a, a new company. It's a smaller company. 
So I imagine you have to also engage in community outreach to let people know about the service and why it's different. So what does that look like, you know, in a community like Enfield where you're just starting to build out or in the midst of building out? I'm not sure at what point you're at in the in the rollout there. Literally, Neighbors Helping Neighbors is the best marketing for us. Um, that's what how we've been getting more customers. Uh, we do do some radio, uh, but it is basically just spreading the word and people being satisfied customers, you know, so we're kind of the talk around the town with nice. the internet. And at first, you know, the believability of it, is this something that's really going to work? We had to work through that. You know, we launched in 2020. And uh, so our customer um, retainment has been very high. Um, most most of the times that if we lose any customers, it's because they're moving outside of our coverage area. Um, we might have lost one customer to a what might be considered a competitor. But um, <laughs> anyway, so... <laughs> It happens. Yeah. It happens. Yeah, but I'm thinking, you know, out of the, the percentages, that's a great percentage. Absolutely. Um, for for sure. Um, and so uh, the you mentioned earlier, one of your struggles is funding. You're, you're fortunate to get some help from Connect Humanity. Uh, are you also applying for state funds? Are you looking toward those federal funds that are coming down? How difficult is that for an organization like yours to oh. apply for those grants? How difficult. <laughs> well, I'm hoping that us getting this type of attention will make us uh, more favorable. We have mm -hmm. applied for uh, state funded grants like the great grant and uh, we will continue. Um, but, uh, you know, the believability that you can get fast speed uh, with a wireless ISP you know, I think that people, there's just a greater education that has to happen because we can compete with the best as far as, you know, downloads and upload speeds and bandwidth and all that good stuff. Yeah. What kind of speeds are you offering? Well, we see up to 50 to uh, sometimes 80, you know, it, it mm -hmm. can get up to a hundred. It just depends. Mm -hmm. um, I've even seen, you know, speed tests of 120. So we're like, you know, real proud of yeah. that. <laughs> that but that's great. it's yeah it's it's comparable if not better than what's being offered out there by most of the legacy providers people are familiar with yeah uh they may advertise higher speeds but that doesn't necessarily mean that's what you're getting <laughs> yeah and that's and, a whole education too indeed. i mean really we just had someone we were talking to and they were saying well you know, we, the other thing we haven't gotten into is that, you know, we have relay stations. Um, mm. So we yes. do have in the communities, the relays. So we have some businesses that say, well, I'd like to be a relay, but they oh. don't necessarily use our internet because they just believe they need this other internet. You know, oh, so very interesting. Okay, yeah. so they're not quite ready to to let go of the, of the big guys. Um, very few, yeah. but most of our businesses yeah. that we've signed on are totally on us uh, for gotcha. the internet as well as phone service. Gotcha. Okay, and well, are going you... back to one thing that Lashawn said earlier about yes. neighbors providing internet to neighbors, it, it, she meant it literally, right? And and I think that's one of the beauties of of the way. Um, uh, they've designed the network where you know subscribers can also be relays. Uh, so it 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 really uh, encourages, incentivizes subscribers to really uh, essentially co-own uh, the network 
they're they're a part of. Yes. Yeah, can you uh, can you tell me unpack that just a little bit more? What that process really looks like, the relay process. Yes. So basically, we will um, you know take neighbor A, and let's say they have um, five neighbors around them who want the service. You know, so we connect them, of course, to our the first neighbor A to our hu- our hub. But if this person neighbor A is in an ideal um, uh, location that can feed those other five neighbors around, then we will put up antennas uh, that will serve as relays to go out to those other neighbors. And then they will have a receiver end and catch the signal, right? So um, there's some incentive for doing that because as the traffic is routed through their relay, then that money is accumulated so it can offset their personal, the person A's bill for the month. So oftentimes they're not even having to pay because Mm -hmm. they have other users um, attached to them. So we do require, there is a, you know, a a contract that has to be signed by relays because they have to make sure that the power stays turned on. And for those other WISP providers out there, you know, in our world, what that means when they don't understand that and they unhook something (laughs) and everybody's like, what happened? Right. Right. So, well, yeah, you have me thinking about how that sort of creates community. It, it creates community to have a community-run network because you're dependent on your neighbors to keep your essential services up and running. I think that's Absolutely. kind of beautiful. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess uh, I want to let you both go in a couple of minutes. You can get back to doing far more important work than talking to me on a computer screen. But um, I guess uh, what's the timeline for this build out? What are the biggest challenges you're facing when you in- embark on a project like this? Uh, For us, I would say um, just getting the more more people to believe that this is a viable way to have Internet in their homes. So the education side of it is something um, that we are really focusing on. We have a great partnership with the public library, uh, with the nonprofit, with the rec center in town. Uh, We just participated in the Christmas parade, passing out information and candy and doing all those things. So it's just helping the people to know that um, this is a viable way for them to have an Internet solution that is reliable and affordable. Um, I think that's just the biggest thing for us. Awesome. Um, And coming back to you, Brian, uh, anything else that you're working on at Connect Humanity that you want to highlight related to the digital divide um, or anything else you want to talk about related to this project? Yeah, I, I would say you know we're uh, with with Wave Seven as as an incredibly amazing data point. We're just seeing uh, you know just so much traction with other community based operators uh, who are who have very similar stories. Right, grew up in the community, frustrated with uh, uh, what was available, if if anything at all, um, and you know re- really a applying a DIY uh, approach to it. Um, you know, a couple things we'll, we'll hopefully be able to announce in the coming months. One is supporting uh, an urban affordable housing uh, uh, operator um, that, that's co-op, worker co-op, uh, providing fiber to the premise there. Um, another one is, is supporting a municipal who's brought in uh, a, a large private operator 
but the muni couldn't uh, get you know, their financing over uh, over the hub. You know, just had that that bit of gap even after public uh, funding, right? And so we're we're seeing a lot of these different operator models uh, all pointed at the uh, the same themes, which is um, community centered, uh, a really bottom up driven uh, and and organized. Um, and a lot of stakeholder will uh, that that wants and demands it, um, just needing that you know a little bit of extra creativity uh, and flexibility in, in the capital side of it. Um, so uh, we'll continue to look for more partners like that, um, and and hopefully we can bridge the divide a little bit more. Amazing, Lashawn. Coming back to you, um, tell me about the the network. How many people do you aim to reach? And overall, anything else you want to share with us about what would make it easier for organizations like yours to reach more people? Anything that would make funding easier? Any last words you want to share with us about what you're doing at Wave Seven and how more people can help you do more of it? Yes, exactly. Well, thank you, Nicole. We definitely are looking forward to reaching at least 400 subscribers in the town of Enfield. And we plan to do that within a three-year period. Um, and definitely, you know, within three years, we want to see ourselves being able to bring fiber to the town. And I do see that with this partnership, that is very, very viable for us. Um, you know, Connect Humanity is very unique in that um, they not only helped us with the funding side of it, but even the, the grants. Um, anybody who's gone after grants knows that grants are very specific with what they can be used for. And often that does not include the OPEX, right? Mm -hmm. So those expenses, um, you have the flexibility. Now with the funding we received from Connect Humanity, to be able to handle some of those expenses, we're being able to um, increase our staff, you know, um, and just do some of those other things that the restrictions of a grant will not allow. So right. very excited about uh, the future. We have towns so that are neighboring who want us to come to them. And um, I just I just am looking forward to bridging this digital divide and helping more municipalities um, the way that we're helping the town of Enfield. Excellent. That's such a great point about the difference in the rules for funding uh, grants versus uh, a different type of award. Um, and I think that's that's a great point to make to policymakers as they are writing rules for organizations uh, to receive grant funding, because certainly organizations like yours need them uh, even more than these big ones that help the lawmakers write those rules <laughs> that influence where the grants go. <laughs> And with that, I want to say thank you both so much for giving me your time and uh, moreover for the amazing work you're doing for uh, closing the digital, digital divide. Uh, awesome to get to talk to you both. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you again, LaShawn and Brian, for joining me. Thank you as well to our producer, Pierre Landrio, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more episodes of The Divide, as well as interviews and insights from the Light Reading team. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.